0: Watching us on Facebook, and we consider you very much a part of what we're doing. You know, there are people who are watching on Facebook, and they—they they may not be here physically, but many of them participate, engage in the life of our church. They—they they give to our church. I'm in contact with them electronically, and so on. Uh, so, welcome to everyone who's with us, either here in body or electronically, etc. It's the 21st century, right? And so that. Uh, We make use of the tools around here. We're starting a new series today called Gifted, uh, Gifted, and um, the whole idea of this is that God is in the gifting business, and God has given each one of you gifts, and do you know that? Do you know what those gifts are? Do you know how to use them. Are you using them? Are you aware that God is, is, is so interested in you that he would actually give you gifts to do something with? And so we're going to spend a few weeks on this, on this uh, subject, and there are a few passages of scripture that we'll work through, and we'll do probably one uh, each week, and they're right on the screen for you. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 10. These are all from the Bible's New Testament. And these are the famous gift lists in the New Testament. And so uh, whenever anybody talks about spiritual gifts, that's always where they go. But I'm going to do it in a little bit of a different way um, over the next few weeks that uh, you'll probably think about things in a bit of a different light. Uh, as a result, but I'm going to break them down into, into different categories and so on and try and give you a, more of a wider perspective of why it's so important uh, that you are doing something with the gifts that God has given to you. Uh, first thing that you need to know about these lists that you'll read about in the New Testament, uh, these gifts are not exclusive so sometimes when people think about spiritual gifts, they have all these lists, and they have all these boxes, and they say, you see, there's these nine gifts, and so on, and, and they try and define them, and they say, this is how they operate, etc., cetera, et cetera, And they and there's like a little box. Uh, they're not written that way, the way that the gifts are presented to us in the Bible, are not in little boxes where we say these are the gifts and there are no others. This isn't the way that they're presented to us and we shouldn't read it that way. How many of you know the Bible is a book and you need to read it and appreciate it the way that it's written and the way the author intends it. So these gifts are not meant to be little boxes. Uh, I say this because I have met people over the years and they say, you know, I know that God is using me for whatever, but I don't even know what to call my gifts sometimes uh, because I don't necessarily find them in in a nice word in the New Testament. Uh, And sometimes people have trouble identifying them and they think that they're not gifted at all. Uh, but that isn't true. God gives gifts to every single person who makes a decision to follow him. And even beyond that, you can see the thumbprint of God in people's lives regardless of their faith or their belief system. So you can see people who are not Christians, and some of them have no faith in anything whatsoever, and yet you see something on their lives that is is strange. That is an ability. That is uh, it's what it is. Is it's the thumbprint of God in people's lives. The Bible says that we're created in the image of God. That's irrespective of what a person may choose to believe. Were created in the image of God. So sometimes you see the thumbprint on people's lives, regardless of their faith. But for those who profess to be followers of Jesus, that's what these texts are talking about. There are gifts that God gives to his people. And we're going to start a little section of them this morning. Um, I will use a fancy word and call these ministry gifts. But you, if you research this passage, you're going to see people use all kinds of words to try and describe it. But for simplicity, I'll use that word ministry, okay? This is found in Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 to 8. Let me read it to you because this part is not often read as we consider these things. Therefore, I urge you, brothers when you read the bible and it says therefore you need to know what the therefore is therefore so the therefore is there because the writer paul has been teaching the church about the grace of god in particular with reference to the jewish people and to israel And he's trying to make the case that because of God's grace, even this large group of people who are not believing in Jesus, one day they will believe in him as you Gentile people, he's writing to the Roman church, have decided to follow him. And he's making a case for the grace and the mercy of God, the undeserved favor of God. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Uh, back then, if you were going to sacrifice anything, you'd be dead. So he's making a play on words, and he's saying, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. There's a ton of sermon material right there in that passage, right? Amazing. Offer yourselves to God. You'll be able to know the will of God, and you will even be able to test the will of God in your life. For by the grace, there it is again, given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith. There it is again, something that God has given you. Just put it on pause for a moment. Many times I have seen in church circles, people who are very, very talented, very, very gifted people. I mean, you read these lists in the New Testament and you see them all over these lists. You can see they've been used this way, this way, this way, this way. But I've seen some really talented, really gifted people who think of themselves a little more highly than they should. How many of you know that God, he's a little more interested in our character than our abilities and our talents and our giftings? He will give us gifts, He expects them to use us in a certain way. But there's a little warning here, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. That's because the gifts that you've been given are not because of you, they're because of God. Just as each of us has one body, how many of you know you have a body today? It may be cold, it may be warm but you've got a body. Just as each one of you has one body with many members, right? All different parts of your body. And these members do not have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body. I'm looking at one body as I look at the people of this church, this is what Paul's trying to say. And each person who's part of this body has different gifts and each member belongs to all the others. It's like a unit it's a, and they support one another just as the parts of the human body do. Paul does this in Romans. Paul does this in Corinthians. Paul does this in Ephesians. It's a common image that he likes to use. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Uh, the word gift and the word grace, it's the same word in the, in the Bible's language of the New Testament. We get the word charity from that word. So this is all about God giving us gifts, the gift of grace, the gifts of the Spirit. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, Let him teach. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Right away, you see these gifts being listed. uh, And I can group these with a little fancy term. I can call them ministry gifts. But the first thing you need to know, these are according to God's grace. Do you see the pattern in the passage? So first of all, he says, look at the grace and look at the mercy of God. Look what God has given to you that you don't deserve. Look what God has withheld from you that you do deserve and consider that. And in view of that, submit yourselves to God. And then he talks about these gifts that God gives. There's a pattern there. If a person's life is not submitted to God, if a person has not considered the mercy and the grace of God, then the person is not going to experience these kinds of gifts that are listed in this passage. Sure, the thumbprint of God may be on that person's life. Sure, you may see traces of, wow, that makes me think that there must be a God just watching this person's life. We see this all the time. We look at people in the media. We look at people in in culture at large, we say, wow, this person is very gifted or very talented. And sometimes it makes us think of God, but this is different. This is when someone responds to the mercy and the grace of God and submits themselves to God and realizes that God is the giver of all these things. You see these gifts start to, 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 uh, be operational in their life. So there's there's a pattern there, and it's because of the grace of God that you have the gifts of God. Number two, and this is a big one, we should know what our gifts are. We should know. The one thing that has intrigued me in two decades of pastoral ministry and plenty of volunteering before that, the one thing that has intrigued me as I read the Bible is there is not one... Uh, system, not one prayer that I can find that has been prayed by somebody, not one way, not one description in the entire Bible to tell us this is what your spiritual gift is. This is how you can know what it is. This is how you test and see what it is. And, And I find that amazing that there isn't anything in the Bible to tell us how we can know what our gifts are. The implication is we should know it should be somehow fairly obvious or fairly easy for people to know what the gifts are that God has given to them because there's no time spent in the Bible in, in finding out what they are. We, it's, it's presumed by the writers that we should know. Do you? Most Christians, I have found, are in a bit of a fog when it comes to identifying their spiritual gifts now nowadays we've tried to make this easier and nowadays you can go you can go on the internet you can read books and you'll see all these kinds of tools to discern what your spiritual gifts are there's questionnaires there's personality profiles there's all kinds of wonderful tools and resources out there for people to try and figure out, okay, what are my spiritual gifts? Anyway, I read these things in the New Testament. How can I know what I have? There's all kinds of tools that do this, and they're all great. Um, I've taught on spiritual gifts. I've taught a class on that probably 25, 30 times I've taught on spiritual gifts. Uh, I have discovered that uh, without exception, I have never, ever, ever met a, a Christ follower with less than three spiritual gifts, never. Most of you in this room have about five spiritual gifts. In the the list that we just met uh, or just read, Most of you have at least two of these. I can tell just by experience. um, And and most Christians don't believe that. They say, well, I'm not gifted at all. I'm not gifted at all. And then when they learn and they learn how to figure this out, they realize, oh, yes, God, we can't fault God. God gives us plenty of spiritual gifts. Each one of you without exception, minimum three. I've never met a Christian with less than three spiritual gifts. How many of you know God is a good gift giver? Is very quiet. How many of you know God is a good gift giver? He knows how to give gifts, and he gives them. He gives them at liberty uh, to his people, to his church. We should know what they are. You say, but I don't. Okay, you can do those tools. You can do those surveys. Go online. Look up spiritual gifts survey. You will find 20 different questionnaires. When I when I did training uh, in order to plant this church, I did so many spiritual gift surveys. It's like I had it down to a science. I could do them really, really fast. I knew what they were going to ask me. Boom, 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 and they always told me the same thing. They always told me what I already suspected about myself. All they did was confirm what I already suspected. You see, so they're wonderful tools. You can find them online. Uh, there's plenty of content. Those of you who are using your RightNow Media account, there's the largest video Bible study uh, uh, library in the world. Uh, we have free access to it. Uh, because of our our support and relationship with a large church in Toronto if you do not have access to right now media you want it come and see me text me email me and I will send you a link to get you access you do a search in there for spiritual gifts you are going to find some wonderful wonderful material to help you figure out what your gifts are but this is what I'm going to do for you I'm going to save you all that work I'm going to tell you four ways, really basic, simple stuff, so that you can know what your spiritual gifts are. Are you ready? Four things. Really, really easy. Okay? Number one, it's going to sound really easy. Get involved. Do something. (laughs) Do something in your church. Do something in your community. Do something in your neighborhood. Do something in your kids' high school, elementary school. Do something. Get involved in life. Do, coach a basketball team. Coach a hockey team. Go and do something and get involved. When I first be, became a Christian, whatever it is, 30 years ago, uh, and people asked me to do anything in my church, I said yes to everything. There was no... Ifs, ands, or buts about it. You need something done, sure. You need something done, sure. Half the stuff I didn't know what to do, didn't matter, still did it anyway. We need you to sweep the floor, sure. We need you to clean the bathroom, sure. We need you to press this button on this machine, sure. We need you to say this, we need you, sure, 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 yes, yes, yes. After a while, you learn not to say yes all the time. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, you'll end up a pastor like me, right? But, but you, know, you learn that saying yes all the time may not always be the right, the right thing. So you learn to pick and choose. And so you say, well, this is really, I really feel like this is what my thing is and, and so on. But you'll never figure it out unless you do something. Like Christianity is not a spectator sport, being part of a church, its your, I know we meet in a the movie theater, but this is not a movie. Like, this is life. You, you, you don't come here to, or you're not part of a church so that you sit in a, in a comfortable seat, and that's all you do, okay? You, you have something that God has put into your life that he wants you to do. Get involved. Uh, most of you if you have not been asked to do something by me or by my wife, Janet, you will be. So just watch out because we're coming for you, okay? This is still a baby church, right? This is a 36-month-old church, and we're always looking for people to do things, to do new things. I'll give you some, some opportunities in just a few moments as we look at the little gift list together, but get involved. Do something because that's the only way you're going to find out what your gifts are. Even if you know what your gifts are, if you're not doing anything, you've kept those gifts in a little box and a little wrapper. Number two, you will enjoy God's gifts. So if God has given you a particular gift in something, let's say serving or whatever, teaching or encouraging, as per this little list that we read, you will like it. So a lot of people think, well, if God has given me a gift, I'm not going to like it. It's going to be, I'll be doing God's work, but it's going to be a drudgery. Okay, don't flatter yourself. If you have been gifted by God, you will enjoy using God's gift. God is a good gift giver. He's a really, really brilliant, smart wise gift giver. Have you ever gotten a gift for your birthday or for Christmas or something and you didn't like that gift? Put your hand up. Oh, yeah, I mean, some of you have the gift of lying. You're doing a really, really good job. Okay. Probably all of us could say that at some point in your life, you've gotten a gift. You didn't like the gift and you put a kind of a weird smile on your face. Oh, thank you. You know, you get your gift, but then you, you don't use it or you nowadays, we re it, right? That means you give it to someone else, hopefully someone else who nobody knows, and hopefully not the person who gave it to you five years ago, you know, and now you re-gift it to that person hoping they don't remember. Okay, God is not like that. He doesn't give you gifts that you don't enjoy using. Now, it may be scary at the beginning. I mean, I remember at the beginning when I first became a Christian and and once in a while, Uh, at the beginning, when I say at the beginning, I mean the first 30 days, okay, the first 30 days after I made a decision to follow Christ, people started asking me to do stuff, and I remember people say, well, will you teach this, or will you say this, 30 days, little baby, baby Christian, said, sure, well, whatever, you know, and, but any, but I, I'm just telling you now, it was kind of in my heart, I'm just telling you now, I do not want to you know, with my life, speak publicly or communicate publicly in any fashion. Uh, When I was in high school, when I was in uh, post high school, CJEP, whatever, I dropped classes where there was public speaking. Okay, I dropped out. Because I was petrified of doing that. So when I became a Christian, it was like, no, thanks. I do not want to do that. I I enjoy being saved. I enjoy being forgiven of my sin. That's all fine and dandy. I do not want to do what I'm doing right now, okay? This is the thing that I most, I, I did not want to do. However, somebody asked me, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And over time, I realized, oh boy, I kind of enjoy doing this. Now, I'm still, I'm, there's still a part of me that's nervous. I mean, I, I, sometimes I'm so nervous when I get up to speak. If there's a handheld microphone and I have to hand that microphone to somebody else, sometimes my hand, I know it's going to sound really weird, but sometimes my hand sweats so much, I would hand that microphone to that next person. They'd be like, what? <laughs> okay, <Who, what? laughs> you say, that's so weird. I'm just telling you, when you when you start using the gifts that God has given to you, you will enjoy it. There will be a sense of of purpose, a sense of thrill uh, that that you will find is sustained as you use the gifts that God has given you. It doesn't mean it's not going to be. Uh, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy all the time. It doesn't mean it's going to be. Uh, it will be difficult sometimes. It doesn't mean you'll always be happy doing it. But you will have a sense of joy. As you use the gifts that God has given to you. And that's a lot deeper than happiness. Number three, when you know, when you want to know if it's a gift that's from God, others are going to benefit. The gifts that God gives, he doesn't give just for you to enjoy. He gives for the whole body of Christ and even the broader world, the unbelieving world to benefit from. So again, in my own personal experience, not trying to sound self-serving, but people would ask me, can you go and you teach this? Can you run this group? Can you do this Bible study? Okay, okay, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. Started to learn how to do that. And then all of a sudden, people, people would come up to me out of the blue and say, wow, that really helped me. And I'd say, oh, what? <laughs> it didn't sound very good to me. And they'd be like, no, no, that really helped me, you know. And I'd have people coming up to me and saying all these things. And I'd be like, oh, brother, don't tell me that this is going to be a public speaking kind of deal, like I really don't want that, but that's the way that it ended up for me. But what I noticed was other people benefited. So it wasn't me just blowing smoke, so to speak. It was there are other people who are impacted and other people who benefit because of the gifts of God. And you will find exactly the same thing. When it's from God, you will find sustained over time that other people are impacted and benefit from the gifts that you are submitting to God and that you are using for his glory. Other people benefit as well in the body of Christ and even, like I said, beyond. Uh, There are people that I'm thinking of now who are fantastic writers, um, who are uh, teachers and uh, evangelists and the broader unbelieving world is benefiting from their work, not just uh, the body of Christ. So get involved. You'll enjoy it. When it's a gift from God, you will find a, a, a sense of sustained joy in using that gift. You will, f- you will find others are benefiting from it in a sustained way. By the way, you're not gifted in everything. And sometimes in life, you just do things and you do them and you're not gifted in them at all. You just do them. I can tell you in pastoral ministry, that's like 50% of pastoral ministry. You're doing things that you're not gifted in at all, (laughs) but you do them because they have to get done. And sometimes in in church life, you're volunteering, you're serving in whatever area or something. You may not be gifted in that area, but you do it anyway because it has to get done. Hopefully, somewhere along the line, you you get to do something in the area where you're gifted. But there's many things in life that you do, and you're not necessarily gifted in it. You just have to do it. When it's from God, when it's a gift from God, however, you will find... You will enjoy it in a sustained way. Other people will benefit from it in a sustained way. And finally, you will sense the presence of God when you use that gift. That is the only way that I can explain it. You will have a sense that God is doing the activity through you. It's not just you who's doing it. You have a sense that that, 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 that God himself is working through you and using you. Uh, I can remember a number of times, um, I'll elaborate on this next week when we talk about the manifestational gifts, I call them. Uh, But I can remember a number of times where it was finished, you know, the church thing was over or whatever, I got back home. I could not get the the moment out of my mind. It replayed like a tape in my mind over and over and over again. It was like I could sense the very presence of God in that particular moment, whatever I was doing. And it was like, wow, I can, I can really feel God working through me. When you have that sense and it's a sustained sense, you know that that is a gift of God. And as I said, these lists are not intended to be these little boxes. There are people in the, in the broader Christian world that are doing things, they're using gifts that God has given to them, but in a, in a non-traditional fashion, in an out-of-the-box fashion, it makes an enormous impact in people's lives. So I want to, uh, to, to show you that and illustrate that with a little clip. Uh, from an old, old movie. Some of you have heard of this movie probably still. It's called Chariots of Fire. Any of you ever heard of that movie? Okay, some of you, some young people, you never heard of that. This is one of the absolute best Hollywood movies ever, ever made about the Christian faith. Probably the only one that may be better is an old 50s movie called Ben-Hur. But this movie, Chariots of Fire, is... If you have not seen this movie, I challenge you to see it. It's a Hollywood movie, won Best Picture back in the early 80s. It tells the story of an Olympic runner by the name of Eric uh, Liddell, a, Sc- a Scotsman who won the 400-meter dash in the year 1924 in the Olympics in uh, Paris. And this, the, the film is about his faith and he famously uh, declined to run the 100 meter dash, his, his best event, because it took place on a Sunday. And instead, he ran the 400 and won the gold medal in Paris in 1924 as a result. And you should watch this movie as homework. This is one of the absolute best movies about Christianity that Hollywood has ever made. It's very direct. It's very preachy. It's very, very blunt. And people went to see it in droves in the early 80s, so much so that it won Best Picture. If you roll that clip from uh, Chariots of Fire...
1: I want to see a race today, see someone win, have to give in. But I want you to do more than just watch a race. I want you to take part in it. I want to compare faith to running in a race. It's hard. It requires concentration of will, energy of soul. Just Maybe a dentist. Maybe, maybe I've got a job. So who am I to say believe? Have faith in the face of life's reality. I would like to give you something more prominent, but I can only point the way. I have no formula for winning the race. Everyone runs in their own way, or his own way. And where does the power come from to see the race? Commit yourself to
0: the love of Christ. And that is how you run a straight race. Cheers. Thanks Wow, pretty direct, huh? So if you haven't seen that movie, you should see it. There's a, Hope you were able to hear some of that clip. There's a very famous line that he is quoted for over and over again uh, that's also preserved in that movie. And he was uh, also a missionary to China, uh, passed away very young at the age of 43 uh, in China. And uh, he had put that on hold so that he could run because he he was a runner. And he's, he's talking to uh, a friend about this and, um, you know, she's trying to persuade him to go to the mission field. And, you know, because you're a missionary, that's what you're supposed to do, isn't that your gifting? And he says to her, he says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. You see, when you use the gifts of God, you will have. You will resonate with that. You will resonate with the, that quote of sensing the pleasure of God, His presence, even as you use your gifts. Okay. So, uh, and he was running, and his testimony is so powerful because of the conviction, the personal conviction that he had. I will not run on the Sunday, and people were shocked at that. And then he entered in the four hundred and actually won. The 400 and won the gold in Paris in 1924. Uh, Anyway, so uh, I digress, but go and see the movie, rent it, whatever. Um, Finally, the gifts are diverse. Your gift over here is not your gift over here. They're diverse. They're very diverse. They're as diverse as you are in this room. They're as diverse as your backgrounds, the nations that you come from. God loves diversity. He does not create little robots. He does not a little cookie cutter. Don't go, don't go, don't go. Christian number one, Christian number two, Christian number three, and they all look the same and they all talk the same and they all dress the same and they're all the same color and all have the same haircut. Uh, <laughs> that's not what God does, okay? You'll see that in cults, for example, but you will not see that in the body of Christ. You will see a tremendous, tremendous diversity. And if you look at this list, we just look at it really, really quickly as we finish. We'll elaborate uh, Again, next week, we'll continue it. But you have several gifts that are listed here in rapid fire succession, okay? So you have the gift of prophecy. Everybody wants to predict the future. Uh, That's probably not what this use of the word means. It's talking about when someone speaks on behalf of God, someone declares the heart, the will of God. And it's in a a very direct, very um, uh, black and white sense. Uh, One could say that the whole Bible is prophecy because it is the word of God to humanity. When someone proclaims this is what God says, uh, this in a way is prophecy. That's probably how the word is being used in this particular list. Uh, An example would be John the Baptist. John the Baptist, Jesus talks about him, the prophet. He doesn't really predict the future though, right? But he has a particular ministry where he declares to people... The Messiah is here. You better get ready because he is now on the scene and he's, he's declaring something that God has already done. The gift of service, which is the most common gift that I've seen in church circles everywhere. That is the most common one. And this is when people are willing to pick up a towel. Uh, famous uh, passage of scripture that Jesus said, he said, the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word for serve is where we get the word deacon. It's this idea of serving, of doing something, of moving something from A to B, of doing something behind the scenes. It's the most common gift that I've ever seen in in any church. It's always the most common, the gift of service. Let me tell you, there are a number of people in this church who have it, and there's a number of places that we need people who have that gift to serve, okay? I'll give you just a few examples really, really quickly. R- Wet your appetite, all right? You know when you walk into the building, guess what? We need people to greet people when they walk into the building, especially when you have visitors who are there for the very first time. They come in, where do I go? Well, it's nice when you have someone with a gift of service who's at the front door who can invite somebody in and show them where to go. It's nice when people come to the the entrance of the theater, hey, there's coffee and tea there. Wow, somebody with the gift of service could man that little coffee and tea station and make sure it looks nice all the time, make sure that there's always coffee in there, that there's always Hot water in there, that there's Earl Grey tea there, which Pastor Joe likes, so they make sure that I'm just kidding, but someone with the gift of service can handle that little coffee station, makes a huge difference. Wow, someone with the gift of service can put the little cards in the in the little the little cup holders. You know what a difference that makes? Someone with the gift of service can run the little square machine. Someone with the gift of service can run the kids' check-in computer. Someone with the gift of service can run the Mevo camera that the Facebook people are working on or the sound or the video or the lights. That's all service stuff. Someone with the gift of service could help us set up this room and the equipment and the gear. Someone with the gift of service could help us set up the two kids rooms that we have to come in week after week and set them up the same, same two, three people all the time. Wow. It'd be nice if people with the gift of service would do that. You say, do I have to preach? Do I have to teach? No, (laughs) you just have to be on time. (laughs) You just have to show up and move something from A to B. You just have to commit to serving you know what a powerful thing that is when you have committed people who you can depend on week after week after week who they use that gift of service say pastor I will I will mind that coffee station you don't have to worry about it. it's going to look beautiful oh man you know what a you know what a great great ministry that is you say yeah but is, is that preaching and teaching isn't that more important to preach and teach no a lot of a lot of ministry I mean, this is the easy part. This is the fun part. I get to do this part. So easy, so fun. The hard part is all the background stuff that makes a church operate, makes a church take the gift of service, the gift of teaching it. Uh, you know you're dealing with someone with the gift of teaching when the light bulb goes on. When you hear them, you read them, you watch them, and ding, the light goes on and something is illuminated in the scripture because of that person you say oh now I get it you know you're dealing with someone with the gift of encouragement when you talk to that person you rub shoulders with that person and you just feel a little lighter Uh, there's one particular person in here that well many who have that gift in here but one in particular I'm thinking of and whenever I run into this person man I just feel so encouraged I just want to be around this person all the time because she just breathes encouragement. She just breathes it, you know, and you hang around with her and Man, I just feel so encouraged. Can I sort of be around you more often? That's, that's the gift of encouragement, contributing to the needs of others. There are people in the body of Christ and they love to give. They give ridiculous amounts of money. I will say it. They give ridiculous amounts. They don't want anybody to know and they give ridiculous amounts because they get excited by giving. They just, just, it, it excites them. It excites them to see what people do when they give generously. I know a person, and uh, she's in another church, she has the gift of giving. And when she gives, she gives massive amounts of money, sometimes to individuals, sometimes to her church. And I'm telling you the impact that this person has had on hundreds and perhaps thousands of people's lives because of her gift of giving. I don't even think you could count it. When people have the gift of leadership, you know, because they're the ones, they take the fall, you know, they say, we're going to do it this way, this is how we're going to do it, and they're, they're in it, and it, it, the buck stops with them. And you see, they make decisions, and they make decisions that more times than not, they're wise decisions. You say, wow, that's the leader. There's leadership there. When people have the gift of mercy, they're able to, to uh, uh, do something to somebody who's marginalized, who's pushed off to the side, and they show mercy to that person. They show compassion to that person when others won't. I've known people like this uh, over the years, and they're able to, to comfort hurting people that everybody ignored. They're able to see it. They're able to see that person who is hurting, and they're able to offer them comfort sometimes in very, very practical ways, and nobody saw it but them. That's because they have the gift of mercy. They are merciful people, God has, God has given them that gift. That's just a sampling, okay, of the way that God gifts people, but you know that they are gifts of God when you get involved, when you enjoy what you're doing for God, when you see that others are impacted, and when you sense his very pleasure, his very passion as you do what you do for the Lord. So that's just the introduction, okay? We're going to handle this over the next few weeks. Next week, I'm going to talk about the manifestational gifts. These are the ones that everybody's fascinated with. Prophecy, healing, speaking in tongues... Discernment of spirits, miracles, faith—all of these things—you're going to learn them next week, uh, perhaps in a way that you haven't seen it before. Uh, but we will keep going in this um, in this series called uh, "Gifted." All right.